There was a slight bit of an earful that was inserted in the midst of that song, amen, and hopefully there's nothing still on that microphone, I'm not sure, but very good, and grateful for my children. David is nine, and Jonathan is seven years old, and Alyssa there is five, and um, we were prepared to sing as a family, but the Lord is just redirecting things tonight, and we just want God to be in control of everything, and um, we're going to go to the book of 2 Corinthians tonight. God is changing some things up, and that's okay. I presume that you don't come to church to listen to an individual, but you come to listen to the Lord. That's why you should be in church, to sit at the feet of Christ and draw closer to Him as whoever is behind the pulpit uh, is expounding the Word of God and just uh, making most of Jesus um, and uh, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. 2 Corinthians chapter number 4 is where we'll be tonight. As Pastor did mention, we do desperately need your prayers. Would you pray tomorrow? What time is the chapel service, Pastor? 10.45 to 10.50. Would you specifically pray for the anointing of the Holy Ghost upon that hour? We're praying specifically for God to do a great work and God to encourage the young people. And we're grateful and we're honored. And I mean this. I'm not blowing smoke. We're grateful and honored that you would allow us and entrust us um, to be able to invest in your young people. We don't take that lightly. We look forward to the split sessions this week as well, and I, I believe God is in that, and God will use that to be an encouragement, and just pray for a fresh anointing of God's touch upon our hearts and our lives as we, as my wife and I, just simply yield ourselves to the Lord, and um, I tell you what tonight, I'm looking forward to what the Lord has for us in the remainder of this service that we have here this evening. Second Corinthians chapter number four, you may remain seated for the reading of God's word because we'll be working through the text, and before we get into it, let's pray. Father, we desperately need you, and Father, thank you so much for how that you have had a great liberty tonight in your spirit and i pray that your word would have free course we ask that you would bind the hands of satan and father we ask that nothing would hinder your message uh, to continue to go forward and so much preaching has happened tonight through various mediums and various forms father with the even congregational singing and the truth that was uh, just resounding from our hearts as we sang it unto you in holy praise that preached and father as we listen to the offertory uh, or the special music of the violinists father and the pianist and how that just smote my heart and stirred my heart and you moving and working through that and, and brother jackson's testimony tonight father how the preaching was so clear and i pray that you would have great liberty great liberty oh lord we ask that with great concentration and with power that you would come afresh and anew that you would anoint our hearts and god that you would help us to be mindful of thee and i pray that you would take your hands and that you would gently caress our hearts and father as you so desire that you would squeeze conviction and god that you would work in our lives and help us to continue to press on with a passion for you. We love you. We yield this time to you, and we need you desperately. We look to thee. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Bible says in verse number one, and just a little bit more monitors there in the sound booth, uh, we see in verse number one, the Bible says in our text of 2 Corinthians chapter number four, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. I tell you what, church, this verse is a very powerful verse. There's a lot of truth here that God has for us. The first thing that hits me is the fact that we ought to see that we have a ministry. Every single one of us, God has a purpose for our life. There's no whoops with God, no accident with God. A little bit more monitors if I could. No accident with the Lord. Your life has divine design that you're not a mistake. You're not a whoops or an uh-oh with God. But God has given you the gift of life and God has given you the precious opportunity to have existence for a reason. And your life is specific. And your life is special. 
Your life is significant, and it is to be engaged in the supernatural, God using you in some profound way. I believe that every single person in this room. God wants to use you. Your life is not just to drift through this earth and uh, bumble through your existence and just suck wind and make money and spend it and retire and die. God has a purpose for you. God has something unique for you. God has something anointed for you. God has something specifically for you. We find that emphasis all through Scripture. I love what Jesus says in the book of John. Uh, I believe it's John 15, 16, or John 16, 15. I'm so sorry. Um, But the Bible says, and Jesus very clearly declares, I have chosen you, and I have ordained you. And he's speaking specifically to the individual. I see this dear, sweet lady, just a couple of rows behind my wife. Sorry to point you out. You're on the hot seat. But Jesus is saying, I have chosen you. I have ordained you. I want to use specifically you. Yes, yes, you. Come here. I want to uh, equip you and anoint you and invest in you and educate you according to the Bible so I can then implement you uh, in the midst of this wicked world to make a difference for my name and to be able to thunder forth the gospel as you live for me and Share me and shine me to those around you. Amen. God has chosen us and he has ordained us. We read this morning, at least in passing, we emphasized in one of the services, the Bible says in Philippians 121, for to me to live is Christ, to die is game. It was the 930 service. And we emphasize how that, wow, the best is yet to come. Face to face, we'll see Jesus. And what a day that will be when we'll be in the presence of God. But until that time, While we're still drawing breath upon this earth, God is not done with you. God is not done with me. He's not through with us till we take our final breath. I believe that with every fiber of my being. For to me to live is Christ. God has a purpose for your life. It's unique. Sometimes people will come up to me and say, you know, Brother Garraway, I'm not able to physically do what I used to be able to do, and, and things have transitioned, and, and stuff has happened. And, uh, but there's always a twinkle in their eye because they come up to me and tell me this to be an encouragement to me, and they say, but the Garraway, uh, listen, I may not be able to do this, that, the other like I used to, but I know this, that when God closes one door, he always opens another. And it's awesome because you see the fire in their eyes and you can hear uh, that uh, in their soul, man. It's just something that is just burning within and it's coming out and they realize that God ain't done with me. And by the way, God doesn't put anybody on the shelf. It's our own sin that renders us useless. God can't use it as a vessel. And many times my sin and my worldliness and my carnality, uh, that's why we need no man. Uh, that uh, Listen, the only way we're going to be able to see God and, and see the outpouring of heaven is through holiness. And the Bible emphasizes that in Hebrews. And there's so much there. And that's if we were to pause, we'd get down into the weeds and be stuck there the rest of the hour. Uh, uh, maybe I shouldn't say hour. It just turned 7 o'clock and everybody just got worried. The rest of this church time together. Hey, Amen. But God cannot bless a life of sin. The Bible teaches us that he wants, to be, he wants us to be a vessel unto honor. He wants us to be meat for the master's use. He wants to be, us to be sanctified or cleansed and set apart so that way when God needs us and God wants to use us, we're right there and we're ready, instant, in season or out of season. I don't know of anybody who's going to go home tonight and grab a snack, but use a soiled vessel or cup or utensil in the sink. 
Maybe you had spaghetti and meatballs for lunch. That was the Garraway way when I was a kid growing up. Mom was half Italian, and man, we had spaghetti and meatballs or spaghetti and meat sauce with the, uh, the, the Italian bread from the store and bake that in the oven, you know. And man, it's just the outside is crunchy, the inside is so soft and doughy, and take thick slabs of butter, not this margarine stuff, but butter, and put that thing on there and get cholesterol as an eight-year-old boy. Hallelujah! But... Man, that plate, after a while, got red with marinara sauce and things, and you just leave it, and you don't put water on it. Kids, teenagers, always run water on the plate. Right, ladies? My wife has taught me that. (laughs) Drove my mother nuts as a kid. My wife has taught me. I say, yes, dear. And make sure it's D-E-A-R and not D-E-E-R. Men are saying, yes, dear, but they got something totally different in mind. Watch out now, all right? Maybe there's not many hunters in this church. I don't know. I'm from Iowa, so it's like, all, it's like a plague up there, you know? Even if it's on the side of the road, it's got some good antlers. I put it in the back of the truck, you know? No. No, you don't go to that sink, and you think about the spaghetti sauce, maybe, that has been hardened and crusty on a plate. I don't know of anybody in their right mind who's going to go to that sink and pull that out and say, you know what, I'm going to use this to nuke up some leftovers and eat from that. No. What do you do? If you're going to use that plate, you just got to use that plate. You got to use that cup, whatever it is. It's got the uh, now congealed ring of orange juice at the bottom of the glass from breakfast, you know, or the milk ring in the bottom of the cup. Man, what do you do? You clean it first. We need to get cleaned up. An old-fashioned revival of holiness and righteousness and godliness and and sobriety, according to scriptures, God would have us to live. God will not use a dirty vessel. God wants to use a clean vessel. And my sin renders me uh, unusable. My sin incapacitates me. My sin puts me on the shelf. My self-centeredness also renders me useless. Because what happens is Caleb Garraway is no longer looking on the fields and looking unto Jesus and being engaged without. And uh, what the Lord would have me to do, I become more withdrawn. I become self-centered. And whenever I read, I believe it's John 4.35 where it says, uh, Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white or ready to harvest. When I read that, I am convicted every single time because the Lord is speaking to me saying, Garraway, stop being so self-centered. Lift up your eyes or stop looking. It means I'm looking down. I'm looking here. I'm looking at me and what is in my little blip, my little bubble, and my little this, and so on and so forth. And God is saying, no, lift up your eyes and look. And if you just took a moment to look, your eye would affect your heart. When there is no vision, the people perish. And there's much scripture concerning that in the book of Lamentations and other passages of scripture. And oh, tonight, my self-centeredness renders me unusable. And God wants to use me. But because I'm so consumed, because I'm so concerned, because I'm so concentrated on myself, God says, I want to use you, my child. But I can't. You're just too busy with what you want to do. The devil realizes that he can't take our soul, we're saved. But he's going to try to take as many lost people as he can. As he can. And if he can somehow, way, get you to be busy, he'll render you unusable and useless. And our lives should be not about busyness, but what? The Father's business. My life should be completely concentrated upon what the Lord would have for me according to his word. 
Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And Lord, whatever it is that you have for me, I'm going to follow the footsteps of my Savior. And Lord, uh, you here in your word, teach me. And God, I'm not going to buck what you have. I'm not going to be rebellious against what you want me to do. Where he leads me, I will follow. And we're going to go ahead and go forward for God. I will run the way of thy commandments. I have chosen the way of truth. Psalm 119. I have stuck under thy testimonies. Man, I I've got a heart of rib-rock conviction in which I'm going all out for Jesus. And I'm not going to question the Bible. I'm going to go forward for God according to what he declares in his word. Who am I to question God? We're going to follow the book. We're going to follow his word. But as we're following his word, we want to be engaged in his will for my life. Knowing that there is a spiritual and supernatural and eternal work that must be accomplished. And God wants to do this work in me and through me. And Lord, help me to see that I have a ministry. Help me to see, Lord, that you have a purpose for my life. Help me to see, Lord, that you have a divine design for my existence. I'm concerned. I just throw this out there. I'm concerned that if we're not careful as Christians, we'll see pastor, Ron Jackson, or maybe some deacon some Sunday school teacher, some evangelist or missionary and say, well, God didn't call me to be a pastor. I guess I'm not as important in God's lineup of things. Where do you find that in the Bible? We're all important and we're all vital to God. The specific will of God may differ and vary for each individual, but listen, God knows what's best and there are specific things God wants you to accomplish and specific people he wants you to reach that I'll never meet, I'll never be able to reach in my life, but God has chosen you and he has ordained you that you should go, go, not sit idly by, but active, engaged, involved, go, go and bring forth fruit, amen, and not just a little bit of dabbling of fruit, but fruit, uh, much fruit and, and fruit that remains and that's what we saw tonight with all those pictures didn't we I don't know about you I want God to use me like that not that we're comparing ourselves among ourselves that's not what we're getting at does everybody understand tonight we're just seeing man God is using people God I want you to use me God what is it what is it that you have for me but when's the last time just ask it this way kind of a verbal slap in the face not meant to be so or mean now everybody's like what is he going to say but when's the last time that your heart genuinely burned There was a brokenness. There was a a bothered spirit, man. And all those three things, as you study Nehemiah and Nehemiah 1, through those things, that brokenness and and being bothered, how that burning will come. And that's what what develops a burden. And man, we've got a burden. And we're now, preacher, going to be involved. And we're going to give and we're going to go. And we're going to be involved in the saturation Saturdays or the super Saturdays or the soul winning Saturdays or whatever it is that you've got. We're going to be engaged, not because it's duty. I got to do this. I got to do that. But no, I get it should be a part. God wants to use me. Man, I can knock on somebody's door and give them a gospel track and point them to Jesus and, and be a, a radiant uh, individual filled with hope, uh, trying to help people see that Jesus saves, uh, that there's a hearing the truth place where they can come and man, they can get their lives straightened now because of the word of God being thundered forth. Uh, whatever, you know. I guess we are, we need to do this. Preachers tell us we need to give, so I guess we should keep up with everybody else. Seeing we have this ministry, God has given you something. We, we didn't get <laughs> later in the text of Luke chapter number 12. Farther down, Jesus inserts this. To whom much is given, much is required. Whew. 
We've been blessed with a lot in this country. You realize that over 90% of people in Venezuela make an equivalent of one American dollar a day. None of this is to put anybody in a guilt trip. It's just to help us see things realistically. We've been blessed in this country. Too much is given, much is required. Maybe I could go without some things. Because really, is it going to matter? 100 years from now, if I had Hulu or Netflix or ESPN Plus or whatever those things are out there, I don't even know. Is it going to matter if I need this sort of data package for my cell phone? Preacher, you're starting to meddle there. I'm just, I'm just grabbing things as it comes. Is it really necessary to have cable in the home? That's a whole other message for another time. And to be able to look at things, and there's even apps now, and, and this is great because what happens is we'll sign up for stuff, and, and literally we're pouring out money. It's just, it's just like a sieve, and we're like, where did all our money go? And there's even apps now and programs now that try to help people uh, cut, if you will, these monthly subscription things. And man, uh, if you get a handle on your finances in the Spirit of God, I believe you'll find that there's so much more that could be invested into the work of God where there are absolute dividends. And Jesus says, given, it shall be given unto you. And, and how that Hebrews talks about how that he will not deal unfaithfully with you. God will not be fraudulent with you, but God will give unto you as you have given unto him and unto every man's bosom. And God says, in case you're wondering about it, and in case you're hem hawing and kind of, I don't know, I'm going to dip in my toe and see if uh, this is legit. He says, just jump in. Prove me now herewith. Uh, put me to the test and see if I'm the real deal or not. Prove me now herewith, and I will show how then I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out so much of a blessing, there's not enough room to receive it. That's what God said, not Caleb Garraway. That's Bible. Where God says, I'll make sure I, when I give it back, I'm going to press it down. It's shaken together. It's, it's overflowing. I'm sorry, but I have to share this. Whenever I fly through O'Hare, there's a specific stand I always go to. Garrett's Popcorn. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Anybody else know? You get the cheese and the caramel, you know, and then like five days later, I'm trying to, I'm starting to get, you know, it's about my teeth and I can't, I can't even do popcorn. Can't do it. You know, cause that stuff will get between your teeth and it just drives you nuts. So I'll just eat it with my mind right now. Amen. <laughs> but you know, as they're there and it's like clockwork and they're just used to it. They serve thousands of people who knows how many every day and they're there and they're, you know, filling it up and stuff. And then they'll take it with their two fingers. I've seen them do it so many times and they'll, because they want to crimp the bag, crimp at the bag, you know, and they do this. And then as soon as they're done filling the bag, I said, oh, that's okay. Just, just leave it just like that. I'll eat the stuff on top. See, God is not one saying, hey, you're going to give, you're going to give. And then I'm going to go ahead and give it back to you, but I'm going to go ahead and rob you of a blessing. I'll speak to this guy here who's saying amen and that guy behind him. Amen. That's not the Lord. God is serious about this thing. Praise God. That's a great encouragement that this is not uh, ethereal things that we're just trying to pull out of thin air and try to convince ourselves uh, and hope so to believe, but this is Bible, and I know we're not going to specific texts uh, and taking the time to read them with chapter and verse, but I pray tonight uh, that, uh, uh, that we're familiar with this in Scripture, and God would encourage us and stir us and strengthen us to keep on keeping on, and that God would, as we see in 2 Corinthians 4.1, therefore, 
seeing we have this ministry that you would see that God has placed something in your hand. God wants to use you and God is a calling for your life and every single person is special to God. The specific will of God may differ and vary. I don't know. Let God be in control and let God be God. I just want God to use me to the maximum of what it is that he has for my life. Does your heart burn? Because, sir, I say this gently, and ma'am, your life is not about your eight to five. Rather, your occupation and your vocation, rather, it's a means to an end. It's not the end of things. It's a means to an end to fulfill the calling and the work of God. As much is given, much can be done. It's interesting, and let's journey to a couple of different passages, and we're going to try to be done by 7.30. Can I take 12 more minutes, put them in the hot seat? If you say no, that's fine. Am I okay? I will not go past 7.30. Amen? Everybody's like, yeah. I know it's a school night. We can go for a while, I suppose, but I want to be honorable tonight. Would you go with me to the book of Philippians, chapter number 3? Philippians, chapter number 3, very quickly. Philippians chapter number 3. We'll come back to 2 Corinthians 4. I'm going to stick one of these order of services in my Bible so I can come back to that passage. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians chapter number 3. We've referenced this this morning. One of the services. Verse number 14, jump right into it. Philippians three fourteen. Paul testifies here, of course, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This should be our motto. I press, press toward the mark. For the prize of the what kind of calling? High calling of God in Christ Jesus. Do you realize tonight that the calling of God, the ministry of seeing souls saved and serving God, serving others, and there's so much being the spouse and being the parent that you ought to be and raising a godly seed, and there's so much application that could be given there, and we're barely scratching the surface. I'm just praying that as we generally speak, that God would specify it with his still small voice in your heart. I'm praying that right now as I'm preaching. I'm just trying to get the mind of the Lord on this tonight. We see here very clearly that the Bible teaches us that this calling of God, it is high. It means it's a cut above everything else. Nothing else should matter. This should be the most important thing. Seeing the glory of God and the person of God be exalted and have preeminence and for people to be able to hear about Jesus and uh, for there to be fuel in the tank of our buses to be able to go out and, and for there to be things and resources and various tools uh, available so that way people can be saved for men to be able to go to the Ukraine and missionaries to be supported so that way they can get to the field as soon as possible and they're there to die and to invest themselves into that culture that God has called them to. Hey, it's a high calling. God, what is it that you've got for me? I'm, to borrow your words, all in. No hesitation. We're all in, preacher. No deviation. Yeah, I get around to it, you know, whenever it's conducive for my schedule and all that kind of stuff. No, all in. 
No hesitation, no deviation. Uh, oh, church, may God help us to understand that it is a high calling of God for you to be the mom that you ought to be and for you to be the dad and the leader of the home and to raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Listen, it's a high calling. Children are not an inconvenience, but rather they're a gift of the Lord. And God has entrusted that little life with you. Take that responsibility soberly and realize, thank God you've given me the privilege to be a parent. That's just about one thing of application that we could run with. We continue forward. If you join with me, I believe it's uh, Hebrews. Hebrews. Would you turn there? Hebrews. Let's find the chapter. Hebrews chapter number three. Hebrews three, verse number one. Hebrews three, verse number one. If there's someone in our midst who needs to surrender or resurrender their life to Jesus Christ, I pray that tonight would be the night. Full dedication. Hebrews 3, verse number 1. That goes for every single person. And by the way, my dad was called to preach at the age of 53. You're never too old to go into a specific preaching capacity, even as men in this room. My dad left behind a lucrative position as a very successful engineer for the Department of Transportation and took an early retirement so that way he could be engaged in the call of God for his life. And through his hand, God used him to pass out 3.25 million gospel tracts. As he crisscrossed the country with a tract distribution ministry, and God used him. Uh, it was about 100 and some odd people shy of leading 10,000 to the Lord in 17 years as he sought to reach people on the streets and in the multitudes as they would throng to parades or uh, festivals or fairs or basketball games. His heart burned. Why? Because he realized that only Jesus is the answer, that Jesus is the one who can change the heart. That's what we need. Hebrews chapter number three, verse number one, the Bible says, Therefore, wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the what kind of calling? Of course, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. That's a powerful, powerful principle that we are consumed, we are concentrated upon the Lord and God only. May God help us to get the perspective that he has for us, that he wants to use us. He's saying, calling and singling each and every one of us out tonight. I have chosen you and I've ordained you. I want to use you specifically. I've got a purpose for your life. Your life is not a whoops or an uh-oh or a mistake. I want to equip you and anoint you and enable you. I want to use you to make a difference in this world. If you're willing to be used, let me work through you. That Lord would help us to Look unto Jesus, and as we look unto Jesus and we see his perspective untoward us, I believe that will help us. And God is teaching us here tonight that this is a heavenly calling. It is a high calling, but it's a heavenly calling. Listen, this comes directly from the heart of God. That's overwhelming to me. My existence is more microscopic than a speck of dust. So is yours. But God in his infinite power and wisdom says, Caleb Garraway, want to use your son. Wow. You put your name in there. It's true for you tonight. David Livingston once said this, and I'm sure the quote has been used many times, and I, I pray that I quote him correctly. He said, if a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, how can a commission by our heavenly king be considered a sacrifice. Or, a, again, emphasizing the rolling of the eyes or the, I gotta do this, I have to do that. No, we get to, amen? 
It's a heavenly calling. Journey with me as well as we continue backward now to 2 Timothy chapter number 1. 2 Timothy chapter number 1, verse number 9. 2 Timothy 1, verse number 9. 2 Timothy 1, verse number 9. I pray that would take a hard, long look within. Listen, this is either true for you or it's not. Do you see the ministry that God gives you? I'm concerned, and I say this in love tonight and with all respect to every single person in this room, but I'm concerned that many times, and we've seen it across the board, across the country, and I'm not trying to stand in a spirit of criticism or judgmental attitude or any of that nonsense and filth, but it's true. So many times people say, well, you know, we got church buses running, we got people getting saved, and you know, we're doing our part. What are, what are you doing individually? So many times, well, oh, you look at that. People getting saved at the altar, that's great. What have you done for Christ? How have you sought the face of God this past seven days? I'm serious. I believe God is too. When's the last time? What have you done this past week to seek the face of God in desperation and an absolute urgency saying, God, use me? I'm not asking that for your sake. I'm asking that for mine. In 2 Timothy 1, we see something in verse number 9. The Bible says, and we rejoice, who hath saved us, praise God, and called us with, and what kind of calling? Holy calling. It's a high calling, heavenly calling, holy calling. Holy, it signifies that it's sacred. And I'm not going to be flipping with it and just kind of toss it wherever and just, yeah, I'm supposed to be a dad, you know, this is me being a dad, okay, whoop-de-doo, all right, and this is me, supposed to be a soul winner, a preacher, I need to pass out tracts, and okay, you know, it is what it is, and you know, whatever, you know, and just this kind of flippancy, no, this is God's calling for my life. You will have to strip this from my dead body. My hands will be be, uh, cemented, if you will, around this thing, and I'm going to keep that which has been committed to my trust, and I consider this to be a very sacred thing, and and man, I'm I'm serious about this, and I want to be sold out for Christ, and I'm not going to be flippant, half-hearted about this, and and kind of put on the hat of Christianity, and put on the hat of a child of God, and put on the hat of being a servant or a soul winner, but rather, uh, there is a a persistency in my heart, there's a passion that beats in my heart, Uh, there is something down deep in my bones in which... uh, I am thankful that God has given the gift of life. I don't know if I've got another week to my life, but as much time as God gives me, I pray that God would help me to fulfill and make full proof of the ministry. Or complete it in its full term. And not leave anything open-ended or undone. That speaks to me, man. I'm serious. In the flesh, we won't be able to do it. We'll literally work ourselves to exhaustion. But in the spirit of Christ, as you let go and let God, and you're yielded and surrendered, and submissive and surrendered and all of that, you will find that it becomes a very sweet thing. And even though we want to faint and be weary and stumble and fall, like Isaiah talks about, God will come and lift us up with wings as eagles and give us the grace to run the race. The measure of gumption and guts to be engaged in that fight. I pray tonight the Lord would help us to see the things which are not seen, to see the invisible. And we'll go back to 2 Corinthians. We just have a couple moments left and look at the final verse of the chapter of 2 Corinthians, chapter number 4. 2 Corinthians, chapter number 4. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, chapter number 4, verse number 18.
says, while we look not, 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 18, the final verse of the chapter, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things of which are not seen are eternal. When you see your waiter, when you see that coworker, when you see that whoever, you don't see them as another human being. This body will die. Its days are numbered. But we see through them and we see them with the eyes of Jesus that this is a lost soul. He would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Amen? He wants every single marriage to be heaven and earth and a beautiful picture of Christ in the church. He wants every single child to be raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. This is what the will of God is for every single human being, not just for a select few or an elite group. It's for all people everywhere. I pray that God would continue to burn within this church as he has for so many years. But just as a fire is never content and a fire never puts things on pause and never wants to just be status quo. Man, fires I know, man, they want, they want more. Give me more. I want to burn bigger and burn brighter. Man, I want the flame to be leaping 20 feet into the air if you'll let me. God will cause the fire of our heart to burn. That we would see our ministry that God has given to us as we've received mercy. It's only by the grace of God that we're able to be who we are. And we're thankful for it and honored with the privilege to be engaged in being a soul winner. And being a soldier of the cross. And, and being a good steward with our finances that he's entrusted unto us. So we can invest as much as possible into the work of God. And into the church of God to be able to go fast forward. And reach the multitudes with the gospel. We want God to use us as a soul winner. And that we would pray even this week some of us need to come to the altar could it be in a moment and say oh god help me help me to lead at least one soul to jesus christ oh god help me to pass on at least one track or even five tracks this week oh god i'm not gonna faint i'm not gonna quit i'm not gonna throw in the towel i'm not gonna give in or give up i'm gonna give it all i've got here my lord send me i'm gonna only get one shot of this thing why not? Let's go all in for Jesus. Let's just see what God can do. I think God has great works in store. Amen? What could God do, what could God do with a church, with a life, with a family, with a ministry that is all in and has a spirit of reckless abandonment? I don't know if it's possible tonight, but the violinists and the pianists who played the offertory, are they in the room? Are they here? Raise your hand. Would you be willing to play the, the invitation tonight? Is that okay? Would you be willing to do that? God bless you if you'd make your way here. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.